This is The Faithful Expositor, a podcast from the preaching and teaching ministry of Pastor Jonathan Sims of Sheppardville Mills Baptist Church. Welcome to another edition of The Faithful Expositor. I'm your host, Joe Carpenter, and today I'm here in the studio talking with Brother John O. Sims. Brother, how you doing? How's your weekend been? Been good, brother. Doing well. Uh, yesterday was a uh, high point for me. Um, mm-hmm. We're coming up on a meeting this week with a friend of mine, Brother Richard Sego, and we'll be going Sunday through Wednesday, and um, this week was preparation for that. Yeah. And I think the Lord prepared us as a congregation through the messages that were preached yesterday to contemplate, to consider, to pray for, and to seek God for revival Amen. individually and um, renewal, you know, to be uh, repaired and restored. And um, so it was a great day. We saw God's Spirit move among us yesterday, and mm-hmm. that's always very encouraging to contemplate and think back over on a Monday morning. It is. It is. And it's been a great weekend to do that. Let's. That's what I wanted us to talk about today, too, was basically the thrust of the two messages that you preached yesterday. The first one was what, what it takes to have revival, and you preached that out of Psalm chapter 139, verses 23 and 24. And then the second, very much connected to this, which you drew out, uh, especially in the introduction of the evening passage, was uh, what it takes to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Of course, he preached that from Ephesians 5.18 and then John chapter 7, verses 37 to 39. And uh, that's really where I wanted us to just kind of focus our attention today, uh, specifically beginning on this topic of revival. Yes. Um, Let's talk about that a little bit. Let's just kind of start off with the basics here. Um, Okay. When we're talking about revival from the Bible, what are we talking about? What is revival? The word revive is used in both the Old and the New Testament, and basically the the meaning of the words are identical. Mm. Um, we would think about quickening and God giving life to something. Um, in the sense of a Christian, it would mean when we go through a season where God repairs us, mm. can be a meaning of that word to restore something back to its uh, state of life and, and vibrancy. Mm. Um, and so, thus to revive. Um, and I believe that revival has been the means by which God has advanced his people forward throughout biblical history. Mm-hmm. And I believe in revival. I, I still believe that we should seek God for revival. We should pray for revival. And I would say that the church in America and the world today desperately needs a reviving work of God's Holy Spirit to repair us, to restore us, to awaken us, and to give life to us once again. Mm -hmm. I think we desperately stand in need of revival. Amen. I understand, by the way, just as a uh, footnote, that revival is not a planned meeting. It's not a, uh, hey, we're having revival this week. Well, no, revival is a sovereign work of God. Mm -hmm. But I don't think there's anything wrong with setting aside a, a series of meetings, a series of days mm-hmm. in which we seek God for revival mm-hmm. and pray for revival and preach on revival That's and right. ask God to send revival. I was going to talk about some of that too. I know, you know, in some circles, the idea of revival is taboo. It's mm. just not talked about. It's neglected. And just like what you said, it's probably because of a lot of the I don't know what we call it, excesses, errors that have been associated with it. Some people believe that you can kind of plot out and plan out 
the time. And we see that in Charles Finney and sort of his leftovers that are even uh, left here in America today. But this isn't what we're talking about. No. You know, even Jonathan Edwards uh, would write about excesses, and he acknowledged that in the atmosphere of revival that he experienced, there would be those that Mm. were engaged in excesses. But he would always pull us back to the fact that there is a genuine work of God. And isn't that always the case? Mm -hmm. Anytime God's genuinely at work, Satan's counterfeiting. That's always been the case. I just don't think we can be reactionary and throw the baby out with the bathwater because there's some kooks. There will always be kooks. But there will always be the need for a genuine moving of God's Spirit, a reviving work of the Holy Spirit in which He comes and, again, repairs and restores us back to spiritual vitality and and life and obedience to Christ in a way that's lacking. That's right. And it's needed, just like you said. Um, It's desperately needed not only in our country but also uh, in the church. And you took us to Psalm chapter 139 in order to – really dive into this subject of uh, revival. This has always been one of my favorite chapters. I mean, if you want to get a good theology of God's omnipresence, yes, uh, His omnipotence, I mean, the sovereignty of God. It's all there. It's all there. Mm-hmm. His love for His people. Right. Um, but David here is genuinely looking for revival in his heart here. Right, right. And... Um, you brought that out very well. We were looking at verses 23 and 24, and just to kind of give the points here of it, you talked about how this revival... Now, we know revival is not something that we cause, just like you said. We can't manipulate the environment, make the music just right, pray the right prayers or anything like that, but there is a responsibility on our part. And that was part of the emphasis, mm-hmm. I thought, in it. And you showed us that example in David. And we started off by talking about David's courage. And one of the things that I loved was the fact that you brought out that, yes, David was a courageous man physically. The guy fought bears and killed lions, um, killed a giant yep. <laughs> by the name of Goliath. But the most courageous thing that he did was open up his heart and say, Lord, search me out. Absolutely, brother, because God made the lion. And God made the bear, and God created Goliath of Gath. Here is David going to a much more formidable foe, (laughs) the God of heaven, Mm. and saying to him, I want you to come, and with your all-seeing eye, with your omniscience, with your omnipotence, I want you to enter my heart. I want you to enter my mind, and I want you to search it, and I want you to try it. That word search means to examine, much like an x-ray, to examine, to penetrate, so that there's nothing hidden. David is calling upon God to you know, look in every room, every crevice, every chamber of his heart, and to try his mind, his thought life, to see if there's anything there that would be wicked or sinful. That takes courage, brother. Because if, if you're saved and you cry out to God to conduct that kind of an investigation and a search into your heart, God is going to do it. Mm-hmm. God is going to come with light and truth and exposure, and he's going to reveal to you perhaps even things about yourself you're not even aware of. That's right. You know, uh, our hearts, who can know them? God mm-hmm. is greater than our hearts and knows all things. Mm-hmm. So there can be things about our heart. There can be dispositions in our minds. There can be sentiments we have, opinions we have. 
that upon a fuller scrutiny, uh, upon God moving in this way uh, with light and truth, he can expose that we're not even aware of. That takes courage. And that's why I said seeking God for revival and renewal is a courageous thing because we're opening ourselves up to a level of exposure that comes directly from mm. God. Mm. And the, this word search, search me, that you know, he's, he's requesting that God do this. This, if this was something that we did on a regular basis, you know, we talk about this type of examination every time we take the Lord's Supper. Examine yourselves, you know, see whether or not you're in the faith. We talk about that self-examination that needs to take place. If this was a regular practice, we probably wouldn't need to be talking about revival. We wouldn't need revival. There'd be no need for it. And that's why I dovetailed it, not to try to get ahead with being filled with the Spirit. Amen. Galatians 5 says, if you walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. But something happens, brother, Mm. and God knew it would. We are fallen. Mm. Um, We do fall short of the glory of God. As Jesus said to the disciples, our feet do get dirty and they need to be cleaned. Mm. (laughs) We walk here uh, on this earth and, you know, we uh, fall short of the glory of God. We sin. We develop mindsets that are... Uh, if not checked by the Word of God regularly and consistently, can be way out there. And uh, God, knowing this, put passages like this in the Bible to call us back, Amen. to repair us and to restore us. But I do believe that it would be God's will for us to live there all the time. Yeah. God has provided the way for that to happen through the power of His Spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, but for whatever reason, carelessness, neglect, or outright defiance and rebellion— mm-hmm. We find ourselves sometimes, uh, you know, needing repair, mm-hmm. needing restoration, needing revival, and that's why he calls us back. And you, is it? Would you say your experience has been that this is more of a daily thing for you too, as your prayer or as you're praying, or something that you experience when you sit under the Word? Or it's a very, very, very consistent thing for me, brother. I, you know, God gave me this message in seminary. I shared that yesterday. Mm-hmm. And that was over 32 years ago, 33 years ago. And I think about this text all the time. Another one for me that we've talked about in here is Revelation 2, mm-hmm. Christ's message to the church at Ephesus. You have left your first love. I would say the Psalm 139 text and the Revelation 2 text are two poles between which I live my life all the time of not letting my heart grow cold, mm-hmm. of not letting my mind wander too far. I'm to be a disciple. Yeah. I'm to be disciplined. I'm to live a life where my thought life is controlled. I'm not supposed to just let my mind run wild. Hmm. And and I'm admonished to think on what's true and lovely and honest and of a good report, Philippians 4.8. I'm admonished to put on the helmet of salvation. You know, I'm admonished to bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 6. Our thought life is not to be unguarded and unchecked. And likewise, we, we should never accept as normal a cold, calloused, indifferent heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Brother, I think it's a fight. Yeah. I think we have to fight for those things to be a reality, for our hearts to be tender. Mm-hmm. And I see David as a heart man. Yeah. He loved God. God said he's a man after my own heart. And I think David constantly fought to keep his heart in love with the Lord. Mm-hmm. And he made a lot of mistakes. He committed a lot of sins. That's why he said, Lord, is there any wicked way? There was a lot of wicked things David was involved in, but he always knew where to go. Mm -hmm. He always knew the remedy. Mm -hmm. He always knew where the help was, and it was to get back close 
and personal and intimate and in love with his master and his Lord. Mm. And that's what we see in this text. He's crying out to God to revive him, to put him back, as it says, on the proper course. You know, lead me in the way everlasting. David is wanting God to straighten his path back out, Mm. to get him back where he needs to be. Brother, I don't know how to say it. That's revival. It is. I don't know any other way to say it Mm -hmm. than that I constantly pray, God, revive me. You know, quicken me, awaken me, draw me back, show me where I've missed it, show me where I've gotten off course. The Lord's Supper, like you said, is a great tool. Yeah, a daily Bible devotion and mm-hmm. prayer, great tool. The constant and ongoing, present filling of the Holy Spirit. Mm. And I would add to that seasons of revival. Amen. Seasons in which we seek God for revival. Mm. I can't ever get away from that. Mm. Uh, I, I believe the Lord would have us constantly seek Him. For that repair and that mending and that restoration and that repentance mm-hmm. that comes through revival. Tr- traditionally, r- great revivals have often been characterized by big evangelistic movements and things like that. But when we're talking about revival, it sounds like it's more of an internal, this is for the church. Obviously, there'll be byproducts, I assume, but. You know, as well as I do, we have a man in our church named Miguel. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Miguel's been through a very difficult, challenging time in his life um, with some chemical addictions and drug problems and these types of things. And uh, he went to a place that we recommend that guys go to for help. And, boy, he came out of there. We believe the Lord saved him. Transformed. I mean, he's just radically different. Mm-hmm. And he's a baby Christian, yeah. but he's learning and growing. And yesterday morning after the service, he came up to me and he said, you know, he said, up until today's sermon, I always thought revival was some big evangelistic yeah. event. He said, but you know, after your sermon this morning, he said, revival's for the saved. <laughs> I said, amen, brother. Yeah, uh, Revival is for the elect of God. Mm. We think about, you You can't get revived until you've been vived. <laughs> you know, you need to be saved and born again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and revival is for the church. Amen. Now, thank God, sometimes there's a spillover and God does yeah. save people and Lost people are brought to Christ because when the Spirit's working and awakening, He not only awakens His church, but He awakens the lost. And those principles overlap a lot. The way the Holy Spirit works in drawing a lost soul to Jesus, similarly, He works that way to draw a safe soul back to Jesus Mm -hmm. in devotion and love. I liken those two things as very, very similar. Mm Absolutely. Absolutely. In the text, uh, Psalm 139, verse 23, I'll just read it again. It's, Search me, O God, David says, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there be any hurt. Or, in my translation, it says hurtful way in mm-hmm. me. Maybe a bad translation. Mm-hmm. And lead me in the everlasting way. Right. Opening ourselves up to that type of scrutiny yes. is something that a lot of people fear. Yeah. And this is one reason why we don't see people committing in marriage uh, we don't see people committing in uh, church membership. Yeah. But as you pointed out yesterday, um, this is the best thing for you. Yes. You talked about the word trying and mm-hmm. testing us, and you talked about the dross and so on. Uh, we shouldn't be afraid of this kind of fire. I would say the key word here from what you're not talking about right now would be that word know. Mm-hmm. Search me and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. Mm-hmm. Hebrew. Yada, mm-hmm. and it means the same in both verses, and it it literally translates to know like a familiar friend. Mm-hmm. I think you and I've been friends for a long time now. I hope this is true, but mm-hmm. as you're sitting across the table from me, that you don't fear me, right. that you feel like you can talk to anything 
you know about anything yeah you know and i'm gonna my first response i pray i work at this is it's going to be love it's mm-hmm. going to be acceptance and i'm going to hear you out and then we're going to but then we will talk about substantial things mm-hmm. that need to be you know mended repaired restored mm-hmm. repented of or whatever and that's what i believe a true friend is yeah uh, a true friend is not wounding you because he gets some kind of strange pleasure out of it and uh, god doesn't either everything god does in the way of correction is purposeful and meant for our good and his glory Mm. the best thing you can do is to come to god and as a familiar friend give him access to every crevice of your heart and your mind now he already knows it yeah whether you quote give him access or not Mm -hmm. but revival is an agreeing with god much like repentance it's uh, coming to see things God's way, coming to Him on His terms, and allowing Him to uh, correct and change and rebuke and reprove anything and everything that He sees. Mm-hmm. And you can trust Him yeah. that He's doing that to conform you into the image of Christ and to heal you, mm-hmm. uh, never to destroy you. David knew that about God, and that's why he constantly opened himself up to this level of scrutiny. Yeah. And I challenge anybody out there not to fear this. This is for your health, for your good, and for your healing. And maybe and to long for this for your church. Absolutely, pastors, you should desire this for your church family. That's exactly right. You talked. To, you brought out the importance of David's character in this mm-hmm. too, from verse twenty-four. And again, I just read from the New American Standard. David says, "See if there be, <clears throat> excuse me, see if there be any." The King James Version says, "Wicked way in me." Yes. And you talked a lot about the importance of. Uh, being very specific in our confession of sin, and that's that's going to be a key yep. to having revival in our hearts. Yeah, you know, I think I made the statement that uh, we tend to sin specifically, but we want to confess generally. Yep. <laughs> and sometimes the way that looks at, you know, a guy has told a lie, but he doesn't say, God, I'm a liar. He says, Lord, forgive me of my many mistakes. Mm. Or maybe a guy, uh, you know, has lust in his heart, but instead of saying, God, forgive me for lust, he says, Lord, forgive me for my shortcomings. Yeah, That's not what David did here. Hmm. David used a, a very powerful word. He said, Lord, I want you to see if there's any wicked hmm. way in me. Yeah, uh, David called sin what God called it. And when you turn to Psalm 51, he really does. Yeah. That's a model of what repentance looks like against you and you only have I done this evil in your sight. And David just calls it what it is. And I think that liberty and freedom comes when we stop covering sin, yeah. Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen, mm-hmm. and we start confessing and forsaking our sins. Mm-hmm. That's what I see David doing here in this text. And I believe that's the threshold of revival. Yeah. I think that's probably what keeps revival from coming to a lot of people and a lot of churches is we're not willing to agree with God about the sinfulness of sin and call it what God calls it. Yeah. That's something you've always expressed uh, well from the pulpit. You define confession of sin. It's not just saying I did it. It's you're coming into full agreement with holy God against yourself concerning your sins. That's right. You know, one brother said that repentance is when I take sides with God Mm. against me. I agree with him and not myself. Mm-hmm. I stand over there and point my finger with God back at me and say, you know, this is sin. And that's what David was doing. Mm-hmm. I think it also needs to be correctly stated that that word wicked 
in the original language can mean idolatry, mm. an idolatrous way. And I really spent a lot of time yesterday talking about the idolatrous views of God that we build up in our minds. We personify God. We, you know, do anthropomorphisms where we, you know, the Bible says in Genesis that God made man in his own image. And then we turn around and return the favor. We try to make God in our image. Yeah. And so we come up with quips and quotes and little sayings and refrigerator magnets and bumper sticker theology, I call it where we try to dumb God down to a God we can control and manipulate and understand and feel good with. And I see this on Facebook. Hmm. I see people posting little quips and quotes about God. And all they do is take their human feelings Mm -hmm. and where they are and their interests and what they're presently focused on, and they reflect that over on God as if that's who He is. That is not the way we approach God. Amen. What we do is we open up the Bible and read about who God reveals himself to be, yeah. and then we conform to that. Yeah. But we don't try to conform God to our humanistic understanding of emotions and feelings. Mm-hmm. And in this text, David is just the lion's out of the cage. Yeah. And, and God is coming in with light and truth and exposing and revealing and showing sin and wrong thoughts mm. and wrong heart motives. And David is just, yes, 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 Lord, I agree. Mm. You're right. You're truthful. I'm wrong. You're holy. I'm not. You're, you're God. I'm not. And David's conforming to God rather than trying to conform God to him. Mm-hmm. That is the essence of idolatry. Yeah. And that's what this text is warning about when it says, see if there be any wicked way in me. You know, Jesus said the day would come when those who kill you think they do service to God. Well, that's what Saul was doing. Mm. In this text, Saul had been rejected as king. (laughs) David had been anointed king by Samuel, and Saul hated him. (laughs) And Saul thought he was just and right in his campaigns to try to seek David out and exterminate him. Mm. And David saw that and recognized that as wicked and evil. But instead of condemning Saul, David turned the light of truth on himself and said, God, is that in me? (laughs) Do I have any of that in me? And it's been said that when a season of revival comes, Hmm. the church won't be – Christians won't be pointing out other people's sins because they won't be able to get over the fact of their own wretchedness and sinfulness. That's how we know we're experiencing revival is that there will be a cleansing from personal sin against God. And that requires character, brother, to call sin what God calls it. Right now, there's a uh, prominent Southern Baptist church, and I'm not going to call them out by name, that's north of us, and they're claiming that there's been a, a revival that's been going on since, I want to say, December of last year. And it's uh, it's not as goofy as some of the ones we've seen in the past, but it's basically they're just having spontaneous baptism after spontaneous baptism after spontaneous baptism. There have been times when the lights have gone out, uh, the electricity went out in the building, and they're calling this... Revival. Mm-hmm. I'm hearing nothing about what I'm hearing now from you. That revival is what David says against you and you only. I have sinned and done what's evil in your sight, so that you're justified when you speak and blameless when you judge. Well, see, I guess I would say this: that if you're comfortable with conforming God into your image, yeah, you'll be also comfortable in conforming biblical terms <laughs> and events and phenomenon into your. Uh, definition as well. That's right. So what they've done is they've taken a Bible word revival 
And instead of turning to the Bible to find out what God says revival is, mm -hmm. they've dumbed it down to their present situation. That's exactly what David is talking about yeah. here when he says, is there any wicked way in me? And I just want to say that's wicked. Yeah. When you take God and you, and you bring him down to your understanding, that's wicked. Mm -hmm. Or when you take things that the Bible specifically describes a certain way, and you change the terminology and bring it down to your level, that's wicked. Yeah. Our world is seeing a man-centered understanding and view of God rather than a word-revealed mm. view of God. Yeah. And revival, a genuine biblical revival, would bring us back to that state of repair and that state of agreement with what the Bible says about who God is and the way he functions and operates in the lives of his people. And that's what David's experiencing in this text. And through that revival experience, the Lord, like you brought out, was getting him back on course. That's the last point. Yeah. His character and courage led him to the proper course. Yeah. And God's, David prayed, lead me in the way everlasting. After you've searched my heart, after you've tried my thoughts, and obviously there's repentance there, there's agreeing with God, there's restoration, there's repair. Mm. Now, Lord, put me on the everlasting way. Mm -hmm. And that word way, course, it means a way of life, a way of living. Mm. Let me go from this way, place, Lord, and live differently. Yep. Let me go from here and walk differently. Revival is not going to a service and you know the light's going out and you calling that a move of God. Revival is... is encountering God and leaving changed, the way you conduct your business, the way you parent, the way you treat your wife, the way you treat your neighbor, um, the way you handle your business, all of that. Everything comes under the scrutiny of God searching your heart and trying your thoughts and revealing what he finds. And then you dealing with it and walking differently in light of it. Yeah. And you talked about that walking differently, and this is where you connected it to being in, uh, being filled with the Holy Spirit. Right. That, that regardless of how some have, again, taken a word and just run with it and gone the exact opposite way than what the Scripture says, being filled with the Spirit ought to be the, the way everlasting. That ought to be normal Christian living. Yeah. That ought to be when we're being revived, we, we, we're being revived to that, to that normal being filled with the Holy Spirit. Once again, this is a case that people have taken a genuine biblical truth and have perverted it. Yeah. Uh, being filled with the Spirit is not some Gnostic deep life experience that only a few that are smart enough to figure it out get. Yeah. Being filled with the Spirit is entry-level, basic 101 Christianity. Yeah. You should come into the kingdom this way. Mm -hmm. You should come in walking in the Spirit. Mm. Galatians 5.16 says, if you walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Mm. So I would go so far as to say that if you, moment by moment, day by day, were filled with the Spirit, you wouldn't need revival. That's right. Revival is getting you back to the Spirit-filled life. Yeah. Revival is getting you back to walking under the control, the dominance, the sway of the Lordship of Jesus Christ in obedience to the written Word of God. Yeah. And that's why it's so important that we be filled with God's Spirit. That's right. You brought it out as a command. That yes. This is not something that's, uh, uh, what's the word, optional for Christians. This right. is commanded that we be filled with the Spirit. You talked yes. about the word uh, plerao, uh, mm -hmm. to be filled with, yep. it's to be controlled by. I've always loved the word surrender. Yep. You're basically surrendered to the indwelling presence and power of the Holy Spirit of God. And that's why Paul uses the negative illustration of don't be drunk with wine. Yeah. 
when a person's drunk with wine, they're under the influence, we say. Mm-hmm. Driving under the influence, we would say. or <laughs> They're under the control of alcohol. Yeah. It affects the way a person speaks. It affects the way they walk. It affects you know, their demeanor, their mm-hmm. personality. Well, that's a bad illustration on that side, but be filled with the Spirit. Mm. When you're filled with the Spirit, it affects the way you talk. It affects the way mm-hmm. you walk. It affects the way you conduct your business. It affects the way you treat your wife. Mm. When you're filled with the Spirit, uh, it affects the way you parent. Um, it affects the way you preach. Yeah, uh, The way you think. <laughs> everything. And that go back, heart and mind. Heart and heart mind. Heart and mind. Yeah. Heart and mind. Um, a man's winning the battle or he's losing the battle in those two areas, heart and mind. Mm. And when we're filled with the Spirit um, and we walk in the Spirit, we don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Mm-hmm. Jesus said, you know, if you don't walk in the Spirit, you you, you cannot please God. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not possible. And so the word filled is an imperative, yeah. which is the language of command. You know, you could say, thou shalt be filled with the Spirit. That would be a good rendering. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a divine command. Um, it's a present tense verb. Yeah. Which denotes ongoing action. You should continually and habitually be filled with the Spirit. In other words, that should be your constant state. And by the way, when it's not, it's when you find yourself out there needing revival. Operating in the flesh. And some people do it for years, brother. And some churches, that's all they know. That's what their ministries are built on. They just are built on humanism and human wisdom. And it's sad, but the average church could fulfill their entire annual program without God, Hmm. the way they've got it set up. And when your church can function without God, that's that's not a church. You're way out there. Hmm. So it's a command. It's a present tense command, Mm -hmm. but it's in the passive voice, which Hmm. means it's something that you seek God for. It's not something you whoop up. (laughs) This is not some fervent energy or display of you know some inner thing that i possess that i can work up mm. you know it's calling out to god and recognizing that i need you lord mm-hmm. um what you've taught us in john 15 yeah without me jesus said you can do nothing mm-hmm. and we cry out to god i need you lord i need your strength i need your power will you fill me i ask you to fill me luke chapter 11 how much more shall the mm. heavenly father give the holy spirit to them that ask him mm-hmm. And so, you know, this is to be the constant, habitual, ongoing state of the Christian. It's one of constantly seeking God for the filling of the Spirit and being filled with the Spirit mm-hmm. and, and thus walking in the Spirit of God. Mm-hmm. And you brought out from John 7, 37 and 39, uh, that there are conditions. Yes. Those conditions are not that you be speaking in tongues. Right. Uh, it's not that you have the lights dimmed just right. Yeah. Uh, you brought those conditions out. Uh, from the text that it involves confession of sin, and mm-hmm. you really hammered home uh, what that meant. <clears throat> but the one thing that I really kind of stuck in my head too was from John seven thirty seven. Jesus says, "If any man thirst, let him yeah. come to me." Yes. And you you talked about how that's one of the major conditions to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You've got to thirst for it. Yeah. Blessed are those that hunger and thirst; they shall be filled. Hmm. Um, you know, I think that. One of the key reasons that people in the church are not filled with the Spirit is they think they're doing just fine on their own, <laughs> or they're drinking at other tables. That's yeah. They're being satisfied at other pools and other streams. Mm-hmm. Sad part about it is, and this is what they'll find, is that 
they'll find on down the road that those things can't satisfy. Yeah. They'll, they'll leave you unfulfilled. They'll leave you unsatisfied and, and more than likely wounded and hurt and, you know, devastated. That's right. Um, we were meant to um, live by the fountain of Jesus Christ. We were meant to draw our supply and our strength from him. And we simply can't for long periods of time, you know, eat at the world's table. Yeah feast on the world's diet, drink from the world's pools, and be a healthy Christian. That's right. God just is not, that's not going to be allowed. Mm -hmm. And so um, that's why it's so important mm -hmm. that we have a hunger for Jesus, mm -hmm. that we desire him. Mm -hmm. You know, thirst is a good thing. It motivates you to be hydrated, mm -hmm. and you need to be hydrated. Mm -hmm. When I ride my bicycle on a cool morning this morning it was fairly cool i'll take two bottles of you know one energy drink and one water and on that cool morning I'll, i may only drink you know half three quarters of one bottle mm -hmm. but i got out saturday and rode and it was 94 degrees and i drank two bottles and stopped at the store and filled up twice <laughs> you know uh, i was thirsty mm -hmm. i knew i needed hydration mm -hmm. and it prompted a need within me and my will got involved and i sought out a drink yeah and i'm convinced that a lot of people are not filled with god's spirit because they don't think they need yeah anything they don't think they need help it's kind of like you know okay i got my union card punched i'm going to heaven i just don't need anything else it makes you kind of wonder if they really did get saved sure because you know we're to be we're saved by the holy spirit mm -hmm. and we're to be walking in the spirit yeah and so I'm convinced, brother, that a lot of people are not filled with the Spirit because they're satisfied with trinkets and worldly amusements and carnal carnal things and, and, and uh, just not desirous yeah. of the life of the Spirit that Jesus has commanded us to have here. And it's affecting their spiritual health. No you doubt know, about it. If I know that I need good, solid food in order to – I'm hungry for that or I'm thirsty for cold water – and substitutes, they're not only not going to satisfy, but they're going to be a detriment to you. Yeah. You know, I think it would be wise for us to say at this point that as you follow this line out, as you trace it on out for a while, sometimes you, like I said, you come to the conclusion that a lot of people that claim to be saved have not been saved. It's just evident by the way they live their lives that they're living their lives completely independent of Jesus and the means he's provided. Yeah. Uh, but I think we would also have to say that we've known people right here at our church that have given good, strong evidence that they've been converted, that they've been born again. And for whatever reason, they entered into a season of diso disobedience where they stubbornly have thought that they could do it on their own, but, but without exception. Yeah. They, God breaks them and brings them to an awareness of their condition like David. Mm -hmm. Search me, O God. <laughs> Know my heart, try me, know my thoughts, see if there be any wicked way in me, and then God puts them back on the way everlasting. Amen. Much like Christian in Pilgrim's Progress. Yeah. He strayed from the narrow road. Mr. Worldly Wise Man tempted him mm -hmm. to go an easier way, to go up Mount Sinai. Yeah. And uh, it crushed him. Mm -hmm. You know, and then evangelist comes and rebukes him and reproves him harshly mm -hmm. and basically takes him and, you know, drags him back to the uh narrow way to the everlasting way mm -hmm. and says, now you walk this road and you don't ever depart it again. Mm -hmm. 
And I think that's what yesterday's sermon was, and I think that's what these texts are. There are some, like Christian in Pilgrim's Progress, there are some genuinely converted people that make some bonehead, yeah. you know, we've all done it, mm-hmm. uh, missteps. Yes. They step out of the everlasting way, and the Spirit of God woos them back. Mm-hmm. And I submit that when he does, that's revival. Yeah. That's that healing and that repair and that restoration. Mm-hmm. And, man, we need it. Yeah. The church needs it. Mm-hmm. It's always been a desire for me, not only personally, but yeah. for the whole church Same. to experience that. Uh, and you see little pockets of it. Yeah. You know, we see little pockets of it. Mm-hmm. But, man, how we, how I long to see. We used to sing that old song, Showers of Blessing. Mm-hmm. Showers of Blessing, we need mercy drops around us <laughs> yeah. to falling, but for the showers we plead. Mm-hmm. Brother, God gives us the mercy drops, but we need a... What they used to say, we need a chunk floater. Yeah. Brother, we need God to pour the rain down and flush the chunks out. That's right. You know, clean the stream out, brother. And That's good. A cleansing revival. Mm-hmm. I guess uh, I would encourage then, too, pastors out there who may, again, running in reform circles and sort of shy away and neglect even discussion of issues like revival, I would encourage them to examine it biblically. Uh, to desire it, to pray for it, and to ask the Lord to bless their church with it. I think it's possible that you can love the Reformation more than you love Jesus. Mm. I think it's possible for a guy to love his system more than he loves God. Mm -hmm. And he's so systematic, he approaches Jesus that way, and he's cold as a rifle barrel, you know, dead as a hammer. And I think a guy like that needs to a fresh encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ to melt his old, cold, crusty heart. Yeah. And remind him that our God is a living God. Yeah. And he's to be known and loved and cherished and experienced and walked with. And, you know, that's what revival is and that's what revival does. Yep. I think I think there's some brothers that just become so a- steeped in academia hmm. that they just forget the living God. And that's hmm. what Jesus rebuked the church at Ephesus for. Man, they had it all lined out. Yeah. But they had forsaken their first love. Mm-hmm. And I submit that revival is when Jesus draws us back to the first works, yeah. and we once again love Him supremely and high, you know, and best, and cherish Him, and you know, uh, seek to glorify Him. Yeah, and that's what we're praying for in this season for Amen. Shelbyville Mills Baptist Church right now. Uh, that's what we want to see, and um, you know, is that not what the Reformation was? Yes, it was a revival. It was. <laughs> a response to the clear preaching and teaching of the Word of God, bringing them back to important issues like justification by faith alone. The great awakening. Yeah. <laughs> there was an awakening, mm-hmm. and I think we need a great awakening mm-hmm. today. I think we each personally need an awakening. Yes. And, um, you know, that was kind of the last thing that I came to was mm-hmm. the characteristics of the spirit-filled life. Yeah. You know, what does it look like? Mm-hmm. Everybody has all their ideas about it's this and it's that and it's this manifestation. But G. Campbell Morgan said, when you're filled with the Spirit, it'll manifest itself in two ways. Number one, your thirst will be quenched. Hmm. You know, when you're filled with the Spirit, you're satisfied. Yeah. And number two, uh, the way it manifests itself is when you're filled with the Spirit, God will use you to quench other people's thirst. Mm. Out of your heart shall flow rivers of living water, the mm. text says. I love it. Plural, too. Yes. Rivers. Yes. Ooh. That's right. <laughs> yep. I love the way the King James Version says it, out of your belly. Mm-hmm. Out of your innermost being, that's the deepest seat of your emotions, personality, thoughts, mm-hmm. what makes you you uh, uniquely before God. Out of that will flow rivers 
of living water. Mm. And so we need our thirst to be quenched by Christ. Mm -hmm. And once our thirst is quenched, then we need God to use us to quench other people's thirst. And that's the greatest manifestation of the Spirit-filled life. Yeah. Amen, brother. Well, do you have any final thoughts or words of uh, uh, assistance or counsel for anybody that's out there that may be listening to us? The Spirit-filled life is a wonderful life, and that's why in Galatians chapter 5, we're given the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Mm. And the Spirit-filled life is a life of love, <laughs> joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, faith, and self-control. And I love the phrase, against such things there is no law. Mm. There's no law anywhere in any land against such great Christian graces. Mm. Our world needs to see more of that. But what they're seeing is fighting and fussing and clawing and bickering and accusations and finger pointing and hatefulness. Mm. It's anything. Brother, I'll, t I'll, I'll, I'll state my case right here. I can prove to you with two words that we need revival and that we need the spirit-filled life. Facebook, yeah. or one word, Twitter, and just look at the way professing Christians and professing Christian organizations treat one another mm -hmm. and address one another, and I submit to you we desperately need revival, Amen. and we desperately need the Spirit-filled life. Might be a good idea then for some of these guys, too, that may not be necessarily thirsting uh, for revival right now to pull away from things like that, just for a time at least. Well, last week or the week before, I deleted the Facebook app off of my phone, though Kayla has an account I don't. I just didn't. And I deleted the Twitter app. Now, I've not taken my accounts down, but I just didn't want to look at it. Yeah. I just, I'm I'm vexed in my spirit. It's mm -hmm. troubling me. So I don't know. I don't know how long it'll be. Um, I, whatever God says and whatever I feel like he leads me to do <laughs> with that is what I'll do. But um, I don't miss it. Yeah. And it's been, I've been spending more time in prayer. I've been spending more time in the Word. Yeah. My thoughts are not clutter, cluttered and my heart isn't pierced through with a bunch of junk. Mm -hmm. And I'm enjoying it. And uh, I'm going to stay right here for a long, long time. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I think it would do a lot of pastors a lot of good to, to do that, to just pull away from things like that. And Amen. Come apart. Come apart. Yeah. Amen. Well, we love you guys. We're glad that you're tuning in and listening. I've received a lot of emails just over the past two to three weeks asking for membership information, uh, the curriculum that we use in our class, our premarital counseling uh, notes, uh, also our wedding policies. And obviously, again, we, we haven't fully arrived. We don't uh, have all the answers. But if there's anything like that that we can help you out with, please don't hesitate to uh, email us, brojo at smbconline.com. We'd love to hear from you. I just love, I told somebody this morning, I just love the interaction of getting to know some of these pastors like this and Amen. hear from them. And I haven't even told you this, but I've heard a lot just like in the past couple of weeks from people even outside of Anchored in Truth. People yeah. are just listening to the podcasts. And so we're thankful to uh, be a blessing to you and like getting to know you. And so thank you guys so much for listening. We love you so much. Thank you for listening to The Faithful Expositor. For more information on Brother Jono's ministry, go to our church website, smbconline.com, and follow him on Twitter at Jono Sims.